Welcome to the Mindful Leaders Podcast. My name is Scott Doughty and thank you for tuning in. This podcast is dedicated to exploring and celebrating what it means to be a leader in the modern age. And I'll be bringing you interviews with inspiring leaders from all walks of life who are working from the inside out to make their world a better place. Today, we're joined by Rajis Yunan, VP Asia Pacific at Gloat, an AI-powered talent marketplace, which democratizes career development, unlocks skills, and builds workforce agility. Today, we're going to be talking about bringing your whole self to work, doing work that ignites you, and the rise of people-based businesses. Rajis, welcome to the show. Hey, how are you doing? Thanks for uh, inviting me. I'm really excited about uh, being here today. So I, I want to just touch on your story. So can you share with us a little bit about who you are and the journey you've been on to get up to this moment now? Well, thanks. Look, it took me a number of years to be, be comfortable about, you know, telling this story and really just kind of getting comfortable in my own skin and kind of accepting kind of where I've come from and, uh, uh, and that you know that comes with age, I think. Um, so uh, I was I was born in in Baghdad, in Iraq, um, to uh, Assyrian parents, and so I come from an Assyrian background. Now, um, Assyrians are a very old culture. Think uh, ancient Mesopotamia, Babylon, etc. And so uh, we were spread across the Middle East. And when I was uh, two years of age, you know, one of the kind of biggest uh, you know, impacts on my life was my, my, my dad, who at the time was in the Iraqi army. I mean, he was, he was a chef in the army, believe it or not. But uh, in any event, they um, uh, figured out, my, my mum and dad figured out that they needed to, to, to get out of Iraq. This is at the time uh, when the Iraq-Iran war was, was going on. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm one of four boys. Uh, and so uh, my mum tells this story that, uh, she was pregnant with my younger brother, so I'm kind of number three out of number four. Uh, and at three o'clock in the morning, was hauling uh, three boys, and uh, her being heavily pregnant. I think she was about you know six or seven months pregnant. Um, in the dark uh, to get to a a boat that was going to take us to Turkey, and then from Turkey we ended up in Athens. And so we basically fled Iraq, uh, the war. Um, my dad had left um, to kind of pave the way prior to uh, my mum and I, my brothers leaving and, um, uh, you know, uh, tried to kind of figure out how we're going to get from, uh, you know, Greece uh, when we arrived at Athens to anywhere else really that would accept us. And I think we tried to get into the States uh, and then somehow um, the Australian government, um, you know, uh, gave us refugee status and uh, we were able to uh, make it on a plane and uh, we arrived uh, in Sydney in 1976 when uh, my youngest brother uh, was born. So, um, you know, interesting uh, background, interesting perspective. And, and you know, I grew up um, uh, in, the, uh, in the southwest of Sydney. So I grew up in uh, Liverpool and in Fairfield. So really come from the school of hard knocks, you know, from... Um, you know, back then, really, the, the, the thing that enabled me to assimilate was, um, you know, we, uh, my brothers and I were fiercely competitive in sports. So we used to play 
uh, soccer, I played semi-professionally and I played cricket, et cetera, et cetera. So um, uh, that's kind of, you know, the background. Yeah, I'm interested to get your perspective because, you know, in, in contrast, you know, I grew up in Melbourne and I, I didn't have any of those kind of challenges. And as I get older and I research more into, you know, how we perform and what drives us, it seems that, you know, stress and, and challenge is an, an essential part of growth. So I'm interested just in your, you know, off the cuff pers- perspective on how your, your story, um, fascinating story of, of coming from Iraq and having to make your way and find somewhere uh, to live helped you, I guess, become who you are now. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a really um, interesting question because, uh, you know, I, I'm now a father of three kids. I've got a, a 13-year-old boy and I have twin girls that are 10. And, um, uh, you know, they live a very privileged lifestyle compared to the way that I was brought up. And part of, um, you know, the, some of my frustration, which, you know, I, I, I sometimes project you know, onto my son is like, you know, you, you, you have everything here and kind of where is, where's the fire? Where's the passion? Uh, where's the drive? And, and you're absolutely right. I think that, you know, that is, uh, it's a general statement, but, but when you think about, um, you know, people that are, have a tremendous amount of, uh, you know, drive or passion, you know, it comes from somewhere really deep. Uh, and for me, it came from, you know, an environment where, uh, you know, not having anything at all um, and seeing my, my parents uh, live a subsistence lifestyle, uh, you know, kind of instills this sort of fear in you that you don't want to ever live like that. And, and you, you know, kind of for most of my life, in fact, uh, was running away from that. Um, and, uh, you know, that, you know, rightly or wrongly to this day still kind of drives me to, you know, want to push forward and, you know, try and be successful, whatever successful is quote unquote, um, uh, you know, and also, you know, drives me to provide, um, you know, a different platform for my kids. So, uh, so yeah, it's it's an it's an interesting thing. Fascinating, and and you're now running uh, the v, uh, Asia Pacific branch or, or the region for Gloat, which is uh, you know a, a really interesting product, and I'm keen to yeah. learn more about that in a bit. Uh, I'm curious that you know I you know I've, I've known you for a few years, and you, you've always worked in and around um, human resource oriented organisations. Um, you've had multiple leadership roles um, in that space predominantly related to, you know, sales or sales mm-hmm. leadership. I'm curious about, uh, you know, technology and human resources, which is, a, I guess, is a very broad um, space. Like, what is it about that industry that drew you to it? You know, when I, I, I played, played soccer, as I mentioned, you know, semi-professionally, and then at some point realised that I was never going to kind of make it. Uh, and I needed to figure out what I wanted to do. Um, I went, uh, I studied health science at university. I thought I wanted to become a physiotherapist. Uh, I didn't. Um, I also, I had this kind of entrepreneurial, um, 
bent to me. So, you know, I, I started a personal training business and then I fell into the health and fitness industry. And then I thought, you know, I, I, I uh, was kind of uh, working for this gym. I remember in Granville and, uh, uh, you know, my role there was was basically selling health club memberships. And I did that for about six months. And, uh, you know, I, I got to a point where people were signing up to these memberships and really not getting value out of them. They'd sign up and never renew them. And kind of my conscience got to me and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. So then I went and saw a recruiter. And uh, I was uh, applied to this job about, you know, kind of corporate health, fitness, uh, uh, sales role. And, uh, this guy was talking to me about um, this job, who's now a great friend of mine, actually. Um, and uh, I said, look, I'm not interested in what you're talking about, but what you do sounds, uh, sounds great. So tell me a little bit about that. And, you know, this was uh, uh, in the, on the 20th floor of uh, the AAMI building in North Sydney, views across the harbour. The guy was in this suit. You know, I caught a train from the southwest of Sydney, which was... 90 minutes to kind of get to the office um and i said you know what you said what you do sounds amazing and so uh you know six or seven interviews later i got into the yeah i get i got into the recruiting industry and so i spent uh uh you know eight years with this company um uh and and with this company i i started in sydney i relocated to melbourne uh to start an office in melbourne I, I moved to New York um, to start an office uh, in New York for them. I arrived like a week before 9-11 and had this, you know, crazy experience in New York and then moved to London and kind of, you know, ended up relocating in Melbourne. So I started in recruiting, but I was always um, really, uh, you know, interested in technology and the way that technology was used in business. And I was the guy in the recruiting business that had the, you know, first gadget, you know, had uh, a PDA on these desks and, and kind of, I was always kind of really interested in, in tech. And so um, uh, then fast track a little further, I ended up kind of starting to uh, start my own software company, uh, uh, which uh, was about, this is around 2006. I sort of, you know, made a bit of money and thought to myself, okay, you know, uh, uh, discovered LinkedIn. I thought this thing's going to revolutionize the way that we do recruiting, but um, uh, you know, how do I bring online this process, which was happening offline in recruiting where, you know, I would know you and I would say, Hey Scott, you know, I've got this job. Do you know anyone that may be, you know, good for this job? And, and so you would refer me to these people and you'd get through this network. And I thought, how do we kind of automate that process, bring it online or, um, you know, monetize it and build this whole referral platform, et cetera, et cetera. Anyway, cut a long story short, um, basically dusted a lot of cash on that thing and it was a failure. So by the time we went to market, it was a week before uh, the GFC and uh, it didn't matter what you were doing. It, 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 uh, you know, from a recruiting perspective, it wasn't uh, successful. But what I found was, you know, I found my thing. I found that, um, you know, a really... Uh, uh, you know, what excited me is how do you apply technology solutions to, to solve business problems that were problems related to people? And, you know, having come from uh, that background that I just explained to you where, you know, I had to find a way to, to assimilate and change my social structure 
and and be able to communicate with you know different socioeconomic um, uh, you know uh, people from different socioeconomic environments and so on. I just had this thing about people. I kind of enjoyed you know, and that's probably why I'm you know in a kind of market facing sales orientated sales leadership type role today. But um, mm. yeah, and now you know when I think about what I'm doing today. Uh, it took me a long time to kind of figure out, you know, what, what is my own individual purpose? Like what, what, what drives me now to get up every day and do the things that I want to do? Because I think, you know, as you know, sales leadership and, and, you know, starting things from scratch, you know, takes a little bit of craziness really. And so uh, uh, you have to kind of find that, that thing that really continues to, to fuel the fire. Yeah, well, a couple of things stand out there. I mean, from a very early age, when you were, you know, selling health club memberships, um, it's quite clear that, you know, the the higher purpose of that beyond the transaction was quite important to you. The people were getting value, and and more about the outcome that you were probably putting your name to. You know, that that was meaningful. Um, that was a clue to you know the the future trajectory. It wasn't just about um, you know, doing some sales and, and hitting your number or whatever. Although I, I, I understand you probably picked up quite a good discipline of, of delivering uh, monthly, quarterly, and you've gone on to now run what from the outside appears like it, it taps into a real inefficiency in an organization, which is around um, skill. So I'd love to find out more about what you know, you're doing it gloats. It's you, you've got APJ responsibility, so I imagine it's a it's a foreign organisation that you're representing. So can you give us a sense of 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 you know the organisation that you're running in APJ and what the product does? Yeah, so so um, Gloat was founded um, in uh, in Tel Aviv in Israel. So there's the three um, founders, um, ex Israeli intelligence. Um, uh, what really excited me about this company is is it's a, a very purpose-driven uh, organization and so my the core of sort of my value system really aligned with um, what the company stands for and i think as you get older uh for me personally uh that became you know much more important than money uh and you know i had left you know organizations where I was earning a lot of money uh, to follow something that kind of was, was, I felt was, was impactful, like doing something, building something um, with an organization and people that were really trying to, to, to change things for the better. And so, you know, I talked a little bit about, it took me some time to figure out my purpose and, 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 and for me getting to, that purpose, that statement that, you know, I want to be involved in helping organizations to, you know, really deliver purpose to their workforce. And so when you think about people that come to work, uh, all types of people, um, you know, they come to work, uh, you know, to support their families, to drive their own career, they have their own personal ambitions. So, you know, and then when you start to kind of take a step back and really take a, uh, different perspective around what you're doing day to day, then it, it changes your view around the grind, right? The, 
the, particularly in a sales role, you know, the, the constant, um, uh, you know, tactics that need to be executed in a rigorous way, ultimately to kind of, you know, get to this objective, it, it, it removes you from that and you actually start to kind of elevate your view around the things that you're doing. So back to Gloat. Um, so, so Gloat, as you mentioned, um, you know, our, our mission is to democratise career development, uh, to help, uh, you know, our customers unlock skills and capacity and actually ultimately build uh, you know, workforce agility and to do that at scale. And it, it's, it's no more um, uh, needed right now, given the current uh, environment that we're operating in. And, you know, you're going to see it more and more. I mean, the, the organisations, you know, in terms of their design and this hierarchical structure were designed in an era of predictability. And, and, and we know that we're operating in an environment that is, is, is absolutely not predictable. You know, all of these types of black swan events are, affecting the way that organizations um, uh, you know operate the way that they need to transform and change their business models in order to serve service their customers you have you know covid and its impact on uh, uh, you know companies having to digitally transform and thankfully you know forced companies to allow people to work from home and 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 to do that um, successfully and so um, when I came across gloat uh, because a lot of my history has been spent on helping companies focus on uh, becoming much more strategic and proactive around hiring people from the external market and bringing them into the organization. Uh, you would become, you know, you build your employer brand, you would do strategic sourcing and build talent pools, you do all these things to compete in the external market to go and, you know, find talent and bring them into the company. And then they come into the company, they'd be like, okay, I'm here. You know, I've been here for a year. What next? And and it's the what next that you know companies um, didn't really uh, you know focus on. And I think Deloitte produced a study that said sixty five percent of people that left the organisation basically said that it was just easier to find something outside of the company than it was inside the company. And so um, you know what Gloat does is actually transforms the enterprise into a talent marketplace. And so you now have visibility of not only the skills and capabilities of your workers, but more importantly, you, you get insight into their aspirations, you know, their, their goals, their uh, vision around how they want their career to progress. And when you marry the historical view of skills, capabilities, experience, education with the aspirational view, and you take that, um, comprehensive view of a person's profile and then you leverage AI to match people to a range of career development opportunities that drive their career. That's where the magic is. You know, that's when, you know, people are much more engaged. They're much more productive. You know, they're able to, as you, as we talked about um, a few days back, you know, bring their whole self to work, you know, because um, not only can they do their day-to-day -day stuff, but they can put their hand up. You know, I'm an accountant today. But actually, you know what? I'm really interested in, you know, uh, marketing. And, uh, you know, I'm doing these courses on Coursera in my own time because I'm trying to build my skills because that's what I want to do in the future. But, you know, most companies don't, don't know that. And so what, what the technology does is actually bring all of that to life and, and enables visibility of all of those things so that um, 
you know, I can put my hand up if there's a project within the organization that it requires five hours a week um, in marketing uh, where I get to build skills in that area. And then I can, instead of progressing, you know, in this traditional organizational construct up the corporate ladder, I can, you know, it kind of becomes much more like a lattice, right? You can go cross-functionally, horizontally, you start to build a portfolio of experiences, not necessarily just this kind of, you know, stay in your lane sort of view. No, I, I love it. And, you know, you, you, you mentioned what next, but I also get a strong sense that it's, it's what else, you know, what, what else Absolutely. could I be doing within this organisation? And, you know, organisations are really structured around, it, it's almost, um, it's almost, it's mechanical, right? This is, mm. this is what, this is the function that this part of the organisation performs, but humans are so multidimensional. Uh, we have a whole range of interests and, what I'm hearing here is that if I have, I have interest, I have passion and/or skills in a particular area, I can I can put that into the system, and you know that's mm. visible, and I can get matched with technology. Which, uh, you know, this whole notion of bringing our whole selves to work, it, it sounds like the opportunity for more fulfilling experience at work is there. Right, and and uh, let me give you a, a practical example. Um, Unilever is a customer of ours. Um, they have. Um, leveraged our technology and built this internal marketplace, which they've called Flex Experiences. And, um, you know, with COVID and the impact of COVID, I think their CEO was on an earnings call about, you know, five weeks ago, said to the analysts that um, our ability uh, to respond to COVID was really driven by um, the establishment of this digital talent marketplace. And we were able to reallocate over 3,000 people to the front line at scale mm. and speed to meet the demands of the market, right? So these were people that um, had additional capacity, right? That were able to just put their hand up and say, hey, I want to help, right? And, and, and uh, allocate time that I have to do stuff that we need to do, right? And this is, you know, hugely impactful stuff. Right, and that comes back to this concept of purpose. When I think about real change, real impact that technology has, and this is driven by you know their CEO, uh, a really innovative, amazing leader, um, the chief HRO, that kind of like you know has 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 led this organisation on this transformation. And you know that's the stuff that you know is super exciting, right? And that wakes me up in the morning and think, yeah, you know, this is why I do what I want to do. I love that. And, you know, I guess on that theme and this notion of bringing one's whole self to work, uh, I'm curious to dive a bit deeper into that and get your perspective on, on what it really means and, and what have you noticed in your own life as you've sort of moved closer to purposeful work? Yeah, that's a great question. I think that, uh, I mean, I've been very fortunate um, to uh work with companies that have given autonomy and flexibility and so um you know being able to structure your day in a way that you want to in order to get things done um you know is a very luxurious position to be in and i think that you know covid has now uh, enabled organizations to trust 
people to get things done from wherever they need to be to get things done. And I think that's really important. So um, let me give you an example. Um, you know, my day would typically consist of, you know, yoga at 6am or like a 12 round boxing hit class. Uh, then, uh, you know, maybe I'll go do a, another yin session at midday, right, which is kind of, you know, uh, moving meditation. And then at 6.30pm, uh, my girlfriend and I and my dog will go for a walk and catch the sunset for an hour, right? But yet, my day is super intense in between those periods. And, and I work very long hours in my night. My work day sometimes finishes, you know, at, at 10 o'clock, at 11 o'clock, if I've got calls with India, etc. But being able to kind of structure your day where you're able to take these, these mindful moments to just appreciate um, the fact that you're able to balance things out throughout the day. Um, you know, we're really lucky to, to have, those, have those opportunities. And so they're the things that for me uh, are really valuable than having to kind of turn up to an office at nine o'clock and then clock out at five. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't that long ago where it was a real trade-off. You know, we had to park a lot of these things that we know are good for us because we had to be somewhere else. Right. Yeah. And there was a cultural expectation uh, that FaceTime was important, right? Um, and, you know, I think as, as we touched on earlier, as you become much more comfortable in your own skin, um, uh, you know, you can certainly be who you, who you are and, uh, you know, as long as you're kind of producing the outcomes that you need to produce, then uh, it shouldn't matter really, you know, where and how you get the work done as long as you get the work done. So that, that sounds great in theory, but you're a manager. You've got teams of salespeople running around, uh, you know, collaborating to, to be successful. So how have you found the experience of, uh, you know, I guess you are an incredible example of a mindful leader that's living a really well-balanced, you know, work, you know, focused work, mindful moments, looking after your health. Um, how, I'm curious on how you, I guess, demonstrate and, and enable your team to do the same for them. But also, what's the experience of kind of having to manage from or lead remotely and, and trust and give us some perspective there? Yeah. So, well, I mean, in this role, uh, this role is, is, is a startup role. So I'm the first person in the region and I'm having to build something. So uh, admittedly, I get a little bit more flexibility because uh, of um, the lack of sort of people leadership responsibility. And if I look at my time at Workday, for example, with uh, eight or nine account executives uh, in my team across Australia, New Zealand, um, you know, that was a very intense period of time. And, uh, uh, you know, operating in the way that I operate today, I would, I, I suspect would be a bit more challenging in that environment. Having said that, uh, you know, certainly Workday has a really big focus on well-being and um, uh, you know, and, and, and ensuring that they deliver a, a really great 
employee experience. But if I I look back there, I, I being more reflective would have probably kind of pushed back a little bit more and, you know, tried to kind of, you know, drive uh, different behaviours and, and give and enable uh, my team in, 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 in terms of being able to spend, uh, you know, time just being mindful and worrying about their well-being a little bit more and, and so on. And so I think, you know, it is a challenge, you know, these large enterprise software companies, and you've experienced this, I'm sure, you know, in your uh, uh, history, you know, the, the whole kind of relentless focus on the quarter, uh, you know, sometimes um, takes away from, uh, you know, really kind of creating an environment where, you know, people are, are you know, really happy and, and, and kind of want to come to work uh, and feel balanced around the things that they do. So it is a challenge. Well, I, I flip it on its head and I, I guess I'll put it back to you in that. Do you feel honestly that you perform better with your current operating model or the one that you were running with at Workday? Uh, absolutely the current operating model. And so, uh, and, and in fact, um, you know, at, um, the previous company at the Avature was a similar operating model to this one where it was much more autonomous. Uh, and, uh, I think engagement is high. Um, longevity, uh, is, is, is good, you know, burnouts reduced, um, and, you know, just general kind of environment, you know, being happy around the people that you spend a lot of time with is, is, mm. is increased, right? Yeah, no, you sound very engaged and, you know, in, in the flow of running your day. And I think to your point, it, it is a real luxury. And I guess we can acknowledge that not everyone has that level of, of autonomy, um, but more and more people are, are getting the option. Um, and the results, it, it feels from what I'm listening, you know, when I listen to you, it's, it, it, it aligns with how you want to live your life. And, and it, you know, it, it sort of helps you fuel, fulfill your passions. You mentioned walking the dog, your partner, right. yoga in the morning, doing ex working out at lunchtime. All the science says you need to take breaks to be your best anyway. So your, your work day was a beautiful reflection of what all the science says we should do to perform like elite executive athletes. Yeah. Um, I guess just, digging further into this notion of drive and, and passion, um, you know, after these years, what, what else have you learned about what drives you and what you're passionate about? Yeah, um, that's a great question. I think, again, when you reflect on making decisions around your career and rightly or wrongly, um, what the value that I place on uh, what I do professionally, as far as kind of the concept of oneself is probably a little too high relative to what it should be. And so it kind of places a greater emphasis on making sure that, you know, what I'm doing professionally makes me happy. Um, and when you make career decisions, you learn about uh, the things that, um, make you happy, the environment that you need to be in, uh, the space that kind of, you know, uh, 
makes you productive. Uh, and, and having made some of those decisions over time, I think I've got to a place where, um, for me, you know, really the most important thing is I need to align with the value system of the organization. So I really need to believe because as a, as a sales leader, as a, a, an executive that's trying to build something, you know, you're putting your credibility on the line all the time, right? And it's the trust and the relationships that you build with people that, you know, trust you to support them in making change. Um, uh, you know, they, they, they take risks as well. And so um, believing in, in what you do is, is critical for me. That's one, one thing I've, I've certainly learned. Um, and, you know, kind of the, the whole concept of, of balance, like, I don't know, you know, it's the whole journey is pretty short, isn't it? When you think about it and, and in the end, like, you know, what have we got to look back on? Right. Um, and for me, I'm very lucky that I've got three beautiful, healthy kids and, you know, that's sort of my legacy in providing a platform for them to be, you know, happy and successful in whatever it is that they want to do. Um, uh, you know, I think for me, I, 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 I'm, I'm winning because they get to make the choices that they want, really, like whatever they want. Um, and uh, not many people have that kind of luxury. Some people have to do things. You know, one of my biggest fears was going to work and actually going to work. You know, that concept of, yeah, and you speak to so many people, you know, socially, I hear stories of people like, you know, that whole Monday-itis, you know, touch wood, I've never had that. And I never want to put myself in a position where, you know, waking up on a Monday thinking I have to go to work is, is ever a problem. Um, and, and uh, yeah, so that, that's kind of dropping a big driver in some of the decisions that I've made. Just on that point, do you feel that the whole notion of Monday-itis and the fact that you haven't had that experience is more to do with just, you know, lucky working for great companies or more about your, your mindset and perspective on why you are actually going to do that work? I mean, the, the honest answer is I don't know, right? I think, um, I don't think it's luck. I certainly don't think it's luck. I think that, you know, I, I, I read a lot. So I um, listen to a bunch of podcasts and, you know, I, I remember one of the first books that I read, like, uh, you know, on sales and all, you know, kind of personal development was a book by Brian Tracy called Maximum Achievement. And now I was, um, I don't know, 22 or something, you know, a, kind of a ethnic boy from out west catching a 90-minute train into North Sydney, literally reading this stuff um, and, and, and consuming this just was blowing my mind. Uh, get into the office and do that whole day and then, you know, back on a train out and just do that for, you know, years on end. And um, I, I think if you if you have a desire to want to make change, 
uh, you find you find a way to kind of make that change. I think for me, I, I had this huge desire to kind of change the trajectory of my life, and um, uh, and I've had that desire all the way through. And so I seem to now just you know through having an amazing uh, network of mentors and, and, and friends and, and so on, get the right advice to, to make better decisions as I get older. But, you know, I've certainly made a tremendous amount of mistakes, you know, as I was kind of getting to this point and still today continue to make mistakes. Don't get me wrong. I'm not <laughs> fallible in that sense, but um, uh, yeah, so it's, it's, it, it, I don't think it's luck, but uh also, it, there's no real grand plan, although, you know, I spent a lot of my life looking into the future and not being present. A tremendous amount of time just worried about what next. Uh, now, more and more, I'm like, okay, I, I think, you know, it, there's, a, there's a bit of kind of fate to it all. Whatever will happen, it's just going to happen. Like, don't, don't throw your arms up in the air and say, well, you know, it's just going to happen anyway, but still be resounded the fact that it's all going to be okay. There's some words that you said, which are, are quite close to my heart. And that's like, you, like you've already won. I think you may have been talking about possibly your children. There's a few minutes ago, but, and I kind of get it in the, the final statement that you were making there. It's like, it's like, this is it, you know, and, and, and it is quite incredible the here and now, you know the lifestyle that you lead, the the legacy that you're that you're creating, and the platform for your kids. Um, yeah, it's nice to hear that. Yeah, there's you can take stock, and and all those decades being driven by this powerful force to get somewhere and change and evolve, and now you can. I mean, that's still there. It's clear that fire's still burning, but you're also able to to rest and just enjoy who you are and everything yeah. that you've achieved. That's right. And, you know, I got to say, um, yoga has been the catalyst to this tremendous change. Like, you know, I, like it is literally my savior. Like, I cannot tell you how, I mean, you know, this, we've had this conversation before, but um, the impact that, that it has had on my uh, life, mental health, general well-being has been tremendous um, so to be able to just take a moment out and be present and breathe uh, and also stretch this old body that sits uh, you know sits on his backside for a lot of the days uh, has been um, uh, you know an, an amazing change so it's been great I'd like to talk a bit more about yoga because I think we can assume that the majority of people that might listen to this, you know, may not practice daily. They may have tried it. They've definitely heard of it. There may be all sorts of, you know, psychological barriers to even turning up. Um, you know, you're a dad, you do yoga. It sounds like you do it daily, if not multiple times a day. Uh, how, how can we get more people to, I guess, have the experience that you have, particularly people that, have roles where, yeah, I mean, it almost like, might be seen like you, how dare you take time away from running a whole region to go and do yoga. So what, what are some of your thoughts on 
how to get started and yeah, let's just begin well, with that. I, hey? I, think, I think there needs to be a fundamental reset in the way that executives think about um, their workforce and the well-being of their workers. Uh, and it needs to come from the top because driving true cultural change uh, will only happen if, you know, the leadership is really aligned and, 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 and believe that this is the right way to go. Uh, I'm a tremendous believer that, uh, you know, allowing, um, you know, people to the time and the space to uh, focus on their, their mental health and well-being um, not only has tremendous impacts on, you know, the science of productivity and all of those things, but, uh, you know, ultimately it is the right thing to do. Um, and I think the more leaders have that view and, and, and stop thinking about workers as inputs and into kind of this production machine and thinking about their workforce um, really as, as their second customer. You've got the customer that purchases your products and services and then essentially you have your second customer, which is your organisation is actually producing this em employment experience that people are subscribing to. Uh, you know, they'll, they'll start to think about um, you know, mental health and just kind of create, you know, well-being uh, in a, from a different perspective. I couldn't agree more. And I think a whole, you know, re-evaluation of what leadership really is. And I, I don't think it's like a new form of leadership. I feel that it, it's kind of what leadership was always meant to be about. But in recent, you know, decades, for whatever reason, it, it, it's become something different. So... I'm really interested to get your perspective on, you know, it's a simple question, but what, what does leadership actually mean to you? Yeah, I, um, I think for me, uh, leadership is really about two things. Um, one is communication. And, and, and then the other thing is, is, is really about enablement. Uh, and communication Transparent, consistent communication uh, solves a whole bunch of problems within an organisation. And then, you know, enabling people to be happy and successful through coaching and, uh, you know, mentoring and a range of different um, strategies that you can employ uh, in my view, is, is, is the role of a leader. Mate, thank you so much for giving us your time and telling us your incredible story. And you're, uh, you, you know, you're a busy man. You've got a, a region to run. You've got three kids to look after and probably a yoga class to get to. So, um, but you do it all with such grace and, and good humour. And 
yeah, I really appreciate having you in my life and thank you so much for coming on the show. I always enjoy spending time with you. So thank you for inviting me. It's been great. You're, you're, you're one, of my, uh, one of my inspirations, buddy. So good on you. Well, guys, that is a wrap for today. That was a really fun episode. It was great to get inside the mind of today's leader. Thank you for listening. Looking forward to checking in with you next time. Bye-bye.